Eurisa is a friend of mine that Steve and I have known for many years from our days of worshiping at Highland Park United Methodist Church. Eurisa is the essence of Southern grace. She is kind and compassionate, yet tough as nails. She writes thank you letters and runs marathons. She's from Alabama. She graduated from Auburn. Therefore, I think she's perfect. She's a really cool lady. When her father passed away, the members of our Sunday school class planted a wildflower garden there at her home for her in memory of her father. There were reds and oranges and purples and yellows and that wonderful scent of new growth in the spring. About a year later, we got an email from Eurisa asking us, can anybody tell the difference between a wildflower and a weed? She didn't know what to pull out of her beautiful little garden. I couldn't help her. I don't know the difference. I honestly don't remember if anybody volunteered to come help her. I don't, I don't remember. I'm sure somebody tried, but sometimes we can't tell the difference between a weed and a flower. Sometimes we cannot tell the difference between wheat and weeds. Sometimes other people look at us and they can't tell whether we're a weed or a wheat. And our scripture says that the wheat and the weeds grow together. They grow together. In the parable that we've just read, we learn that we are a part of a broken, falling, and hurting world where sin and evil and temptation and pain and, and all sorts of things live in this world with us. And we can ask ourselves, well, how come bad things happen to good people? Or we can say, well, why is there evil? And truly the answer is it just is. And the real question is, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to grow as wheat when we are surrounded by weeds? Sometimes I have trouble discerning a wheat from a weed. Sometimes I have trouble discerning what is good versus what is not so good. Have you ever thought about the charities that you donate to and how much of that dollar is actually going to what they claim it's going to be for? Have you ever looked at, at commercials on television and thought, I really wonder how much is actually going to the cause that I want it to go to? Well, there is a website, there's an organization called Charity Navigator. And they are a non-for-profit group that evaluates other charitable groups, other non-profits and other charities. And they, they, they look at how much overhead there is for different organizations. They look at how the dollars are spent. They look at how much is spent on advertising, how much is spent in pulling off large events. And they can tell you how healthy these charities are. So the next time, before you write a check to the Red Cross or to Susan G. Komen, you might want to go look on Charity Navigator. For example, the United Methodist Committee on Relief, what we call UMCOR, is the humanitarian arm of the United Methodist Church. When there's hurricanes, earthquakes, other natural disasters, UMCOR is deployed to go and help there. On Charity Navigator, UMCOR has the highest rating. They've got four stars. Their rating is 93 out of 100 for financial trackability. And their rating is 91 out of 100 for transparency and for accountability. That means their rating is 92 out of 100, which is outstanding. 
So when we collect funds for UMCOR and we say this is going to go to hurricane relief, every single cent goes to that location for hurricane relief and quite frankly I can't tell you another charity that can do that. Sometimes it's subtle as to someone who is appearing to be wheat and yet maybe the weeds show up and so sometimes it can be hard for us to determine what is right and good in some scenarios. Sometimes it's hard for us to know if we can trust a group we don't know if a group has good stewardship. And sometimes when we look at individuals, sometimes we have a hard time telling who is the wheat and who is the weeds. In our scripture, the wheat are the children of, of the kingdom of heaven, believers. In the scripture, the weeds are the children of the evil one. Now, to me, there's an awful lot of gray area between these two groups. There's a whole lot of people that fall in between in that. And quite frankly, sometimes I look more like a weed than I do the wheat. Sometimes we all fall short, and we may look more like a weed than we want to look like. There is a friendship in my life that I'd really like to be able to have restored. Elizabeth is a woman that I went to school with. We met in the second grade, and we were together in school all the way through graduation from high school. She is brilliant. She wanted to be an astronaut, then she wanted to be a biomedical engineer, and now she is an attorney practicing in my hometown. And she was not one of my closest friends, but she was in that group of friends. Like She wasn't my best friend, but she was in my cluster group of friends. When we went off to college, I went to Auburn. She went somewhere in Tennessee. I can't even remember where she went. And we extended, we exchanged addresses because we were going to write letters. There wasn't text messaging then. Cell phones really weren't a thing. And email, it was in its infancy. And so, believe it or not, we actually wrote letters to each other back then. Back then. Yeah, I sound so old. But back then, we wrote letters to each other. And Elizabeth and I had exchanged addresses. When I got to Auburn, I switched roommates pretty quickly. Within about a week or two, I had shifted to a different dorm room. But my mail was not being forwarded to me from my old room to my current room. Elizabeth was having trouble with her own roommate, and she was writing me letters telling me what her roommate was doing and asking for advice, and I did not get those letters. Over Christmas, we sat down, and what actually happened was my first roommate was getting those letters and writing to Elizabeth's roommate to tattle on Elizabeth and tell her what she was writing. From Elizabeth's point of view, and I can understand this, she wasn't angry at me that I wasn't replying to her letters. She was hurt because it didn't occur to me to tell her my new address. To her, that felt like I didn't care enough. She wasn't a close enough friend for me to think of her and say, oh, Elizabeth is going to need my new address. In the years since then, I have tried to apologize to her, and it really hasn't gone anywhere. And so she is someone in my life I really would like to reconnect with. But in that scenario, I hurt her. And I understand that hurt. And so even though I, I was good, strong Christian, loving and caring, I wasn't enough of what she needed and from her point of view I was not the wheat and I was closer to the weeds 
And so sometimes we have to recognize that sometimes we don't always get it right. And from the outside looking in, somebody may look at us and say, mmm. So we have to ask ourselves, when are we closer to the weeds? When are we closer to those weeds? And then we give praise to God. Thank God. God is the one who's going to be doing the reaping and the sorting. Because God can look at me and tell when I'm a weed and when I'm a wheat. Sometimes we need to recognize that sometimes others can see us and maybe they're not seeing the best of us. Sometimes the weeds can be so hard to distinguish that we have trouble distinguishing what is a weed versus what is not. We exist in this world in cooperation with the weeds. The weeds and the weed have to grow together. Which means in this world, justice and injustice coexist. And sometimes we can debate with each other where justice ends and injustice begins. Sometimes I may think something is an injustice and you think it's not. Sometimes you think something is an injustice and I disagree with you. So how do we grow when we've got weeds around us and sometimes we can't tell where the justice and the injustice lie? This coming weekend is the specially called conference, General Conference of United Methodist Church for 2019. This conference is being called for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to determine the church's stance on homosexuality when it comes to homosexual marriage and homosexual ordination. In the United Methodist Church, we have people who believe that the language we currently have that says it is incompatible with Christian teachings is exactly right, and the language doesn't need to change. We also have people in the United Methodist Church that says the language is damaging, it's not loving, and it has to change. This entire conference is to try and settle that debate. And I, as I have said here with you all, there are going to be people hurt no matter what decision is made, even if no decision is made. Somebody is going to get hurt, and I promised you that we are going to worship the Sunday afterwards. Amen? We are going to continue to love each other because we still have the work of the wheat to do in the kingdom of heaven. How do you look at these two ends and pick the wheat or the weed? No matter where you stand, you think somebody else is the weed and they think you're the weed and it just gets complicated. So how do we grow together when justice and injustice are operating side by side and we don't know which way is up? Believe it or not, there is a solution that's working here in our conference. Christ's foundry is a Spanish-speaking congregation that was founded 16 or 17 years ago in our conference. It is the largest Spanish-speaking church in the United States, founded right here in Dallas 16 or 17 years ago. It is the largest Spanish-speaking church, and yet they are not financially solvent. They cannot pay their pastors. They cannot pay their bills. Other United Methodist churches in our area support Christ's foundry financially. We have churches filled with traditionalists that think the language in the United Methodist Church does not need to change and they donate to Christ Foundry. We have churches in our conference who are more progressive that think the language does need to change. We do need to allow these relationships. They support Christ Foundry. Two extremes of beliefs in one facet can set those beliefs aside and say we're going to support this. Because this is a population that needs to know that God loves them. They need a place where they can worship. 
in their native language with native culture surrounding them and we are going to support that. In other words, how do we live with justice and injustice side by side? We agree on the underlying mission of love. How does Jesus love and how do I love in that? The wheat and the weeds are going to grow together. We are going to continue to live in a world where there's evil and sin and temptation and pain and hurt. Where do we find hope in that? Our hope comes from the triune God. God gave us Jesus Christ, the gift of Jesus Christ and the teachings of Jesus Christ. Last week we talked about being hearers and doers of the teachings of Jesus Christ. First we hear, we read, and then we do. And when we do the hearing and the reading and the doing, we build that strong foundation, that secure, firm, solid foundation that we can lean on, that we can lean on when the storms of life hit. That foundation can also be seen as a well-tilled field, nourished, nourishing us to grow as wheat, even with the weeds around us. That foundation helps us to grow into what God is calling us to be. God has also given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to help us to understand Jesus' teachings. Holy Spirit takes Scripture and makes it alive for us. The Holy Spirit also helps us make decisions between what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong. The Holy Spirit also corrects us when we start heading off into the weeds, and the Holy Spirit nudges us to turn around and come on back. Sometimes it's hard to tell the wheat from the weeds. Sometimes it's hard to tell what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is bad. Sometimes we fail enough that others see us as weeds rather than wheat. We live in a fallen and broken world where the wheats and the weeds are going to have to grow together. We are going to be in a world of sin and evil and temptation. That's the reality until the end time and the harvest and it's all settled then by God and God alone. Hear these words of hope. You are never alone. You are never alone. God has given us Jesus Christ. God has given us the Holy Spirit. With the teachings of Jesus Christ and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can live our calling to bear good fruit as wheat in the kingdom of heaven. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.